Hey everyone, and welcome to Supported Sobriety. I'm excited for this episode tonight, but it's been a hard one because I've had a hard time deciding what to share. I've known for a while that I wanted to share tonight primarily about the next maintenance step, which is step 11, but I felt like I should share something as well that happened to me this last week. But in an attempt to do that and kind of figure out what words I want to use and how I want to say this, I've just been all over the place. But I think um, I am excited to share a story and an experience that I had this week. On Sunday evening, I was with my boys, and we were actually headed home from a 12-step meeting. And it was just the boys and me because Katie was actually at a birth. And I had just taken them to the meeting. It was actually kind of a crazy meeting because... Ellison wouldn't go to the nursery there. He like just refused to go. And I was late. I was the facilitator. It was only me. And so I, I didn't like push it. And I just had him come in the meeting with me. And Ezra was there as well. And the two of them were actually really good. But I mean, there was Cheerios all over the floor. There was almonds all over the floor. Uh, the boys were just being crazy. Ellison would scream whenever Ezra tried to take his food. Ezra would scream whenever Ellison tried to like take his food, and they were just going crazy the whole time. As we were going home, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a car come into my line of sight, and it hit us, and it was just so fast. But you know how things slow down, and it just felt so slow. Um, but the car hit us on the side right next to my door, and it actually launched us into a like a power line pole, like a phone line pole, um, just a big metal pole. And uh, we actually like knocked it over. And so we get hit on the side, launched into the, the pole. The whole time I'm just trying to break so that we don't hit it that hard. I was actually on like in a similar crash on my mission. Um, I was in this big van thing. I was sitting up front and we got knocked from behind right into a pole and the pole basically pushed the car back like an inch from my companion's knees and uh, it was crazy but this was pretty similar except um, I was with my boys and so as soon as we came to a stop I just threw my seatbelt off every airbag in the car had gone off it was like pitch black in the car because the airbags covered the windows Um, and I just turned around to see if my boys were all right and there was like smoke and and gross like fumes coming from the airbags and i was nervous that i don't know the car was going to explode or that um, we were breathing in like harmful gases or something like that and so i my just first thought was like are the boys okay and let's get them out and so i ripped off my seatbelt and i turned around and i just like yelled at the boys like are you guys okay are you guys okay and you know of course they're two and one And so they didn't respond, but I just like looked at them and I like opened their mouths and looked all around and I I didn't see anything. Their car seats were fully intact. And um, I just started pulling Ellison out of his car seat. And while I was doing that, I like opened his door and it wouldn't open. I tried to open my door and it wouldn't open. And I started panicking, like none of the doors are going to open. And it's pitch black, smoky. And I'm just like, how am I going to get them out? And I, I just, I was really like starting to panic inside. And suddenly the back door next to Ezra, so he was the basically the opposite side of the car for me, the passenger rear side, opened. And um, a man poked his head in, and I just told him to grab Ezra. I said, like, will you just grab him and pull him out? And I grabbed Ellison, and by that point I had been able to get the passenger door open, and I dragged Ellison out. 
and pulled both the boys on the street and I just uh, looked at them top to bottom, kind of like pulled up their clothes, looked for any like anything that was wrong and there was nothing wrong. And fast forward, um, paramedics came, they looked at the boys, they were just fine, looked at me, I was just fine. Um, but our car is definitely pretty destroyed. I mean, the front went into a pole, um, is just smashed. The, the whole driver's side of the car is totally smashed. Um, but it was, I know a lot of things went into it, but it just seemed miraculous to me that we were safe, that we walked away essentially without a scratch. I was a little bit sore the next day. Ezra has like a little bruise on his ear. But we basically walked away without a scratch. No windows on our car broke. Every airbag in the car went off. And it was like a huge miracle. Um, And I just felt so grateful for that. If you remember, about four years ago, right when I told Katie about everything that was going on, and she finally found out for the first time, I got in a car accident. And so you can imagine, I, I told Katie, she found out we were going through a really rough time. I had been lying to her. We were trying to rebuild trust, really dark days. It was like kind of cold turkey. All of a sudden, I wasn't looking at pornography or acting out anymore. And I got in a car crash. And I felt like it was completely like my fault that like I had crashed our car on top of like having this addiction to pornography that I had hidden from my wife and I just felt like everything was my fault and I I was just making mistakes left and right and that car crash really shook me it took me a a good like few weeks to really kind of get over it and like forgive myself and move on and there was no room in my life at that point for grace or for forgiveness so if you fast forward four years to today and to this week and to that car crash that I was in there was a 180 degree change. I feel so differently this time. And that may be because it was a lot different this time. I personally don't feel like the the accident was my fault. I feel like I was um, essentially minding my own business when I was you know, hit by someone. But even if it was my fault, and there's no way I could for sure know this, but I believe that even if it had been my fault, it would be okay. I remember after the this car accident that just happened, I, I looked across the street and I saw the other car and the driver, and I just thought to myself, like, did I do something wrong? And I was immediately kind of like a little bit like tightened up. I was like, maybe I did something wrong. And I thought to myself, it doesn't matter if I did because the Lord's grace would heal this wound. And... That's something that I feel so strongly that it would be okay either way because it's not our perfect acts that save us. It's our perfect savior. And it didn't matter who was in which car, the savior heals all. I've learned by applying the atonement that grace is powerful. There is danger in seeking perfectionism without Jesus Christ, but there's power in accepting weakness as a way to come close to God. And when I got in that first car accident, I was unable to accept my weakness, my own imperfections, and just let the Lord heal me and go forward with it. But now having applied the atonement, having really essentially overcome addiction and, and have 
gone through this experience and now I'm in recovery and I'm um, decently far into recovery, I've learned how to apply the Lord's grace. And what a great gift that is. I always talk about how a weakness can become a strength, but like my weakness in life has become a strength in accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. There's power in accepting weakness as a way to come close to God. And there's there's so much closeness that can come from accepting weakness. So I just wanted to share that story a little bit, and I wasn't sure quite how to share it, but it felt important to me to, to show you how how things can change going through recovery, working through these steps, and applying the atonement of Jesus Christ. And I feel so grateful for the healing that has come in my life. I feel so grateful that the Lord um, has blessed my family. Step 11, going along with that, is a maintenance step. It's the, the second maintenance step. I talked about step 10 um, a few episodes ago. But step 11, the, the note at the top about what it's about is personal revelation. Seek through prayer and meditation to know the Lord's will and have the power to carry it out. And I want to talk about this tonight. I don't want to go, just like last time, I don't want to go through the manual per se. I don't want to just read word for word what, what they say. But I want to pull from my experience and from some of what it says and give you kind of a an overview that could help you whether you're at, at step one or step 12. And so... I want to share a quote from Dallin H. Oaks that does come from the text, and it's so powerful and so specific. And it reads, The Holy Ghost will protect us against being deceived, but to realize that wonderful blessing, we must always do the things necessary to retain that spirit. We must keep the commandments, pray for guidance, and attend church, and partake of the sacrament each Sunday. And we must never do anything to drive away the spirit. Specifically, we should avoid pornography, alcohol, tobacco, and drugs, and always, always avoid violations of the law of chastity. We must never take things into our bodies or do things with our bodies that drive away the spirit of the Lord and leave us without our spiritual protection against deception. I just love that generally in life. And I, especially right now, it really speaks to me in the world. I've had a lot of conversations lately with people who have said some version of the following. How am I supposed to know what is right and wrong? How am I supposed to know truth in this world? Um, whether it's about vaccine or COVID or um, you know the church or what to do just in any scenario that's going on right now. How are we supposed to know truth? But President Oaks says that if we don't want to be deceived, the Holy Ghost will, will guide us. But it's not just the Holy Ghost will guide us, we'll never be deceived. It's the Holy Ghost will guide us, we'll never be deceived. But to realize that wonderful blessing, we must always do the things necessary to retain the Spirit. And I, I've seen a few sort of high-profile people like leave the church recently, and I followed their stories just a little bit because it's interesting to me to sort of see the other side of things. Like why why would people like leave the church or, or like go less active or publicly like renounce their membership of the church? And I always wonder, because oftentimes they say, like, the Lord spoke to me and he told me that this is right. Or he told me, you know, something that is sort of against, like, what the, the prophets and apostles have said or what the scriptures say. And I'm like, well, and Katie and I always talk about, like, how, how could they receive personal revelation that's against that? And I'm not saying that they're not receiving that. I'm not going to speak to that. But I am going to say 
that we can know that our revelation is correct if we're doing all those things I just outlined. And I, I love how specific he, he is. Keep the commandments. That's like really broad, but also extremely specific. Tithing. Word of wisdom, law of chastity. You know, like praying to the Lord every day, reading our scriptures. Those like little things that we have like covenanted to do. Not that we've necessarily covenanted to keep this, to read the scriptures, but to obey the commandments and to hear the voice of the Lord. Um, he says, pray for guidance, attend church, and partake of the sacrament each Sunday. Like he's asking you and telling you, you have to attend church and partake of the sacrament. You know, to receive those those um, promptings from the Spirit. So, anyways, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but. President Oaks gives us such specific direction on how to like not be deceived. And I just think it's important to make that a habit in our lives that we every day will do those things and do everything necessary to receive that spirit so we aren't deceived. And to me, that is what step 11 is about, personal revelation. The scriptures allow us to talk with the Savior and to know what he says. They're they're called the word of the words of Christ. That isn't just like a nickname for them. That's literally what they are. We can speak with the Savior by reading the scriptures. Prayer combined with meditation are also powerful tools for receiving revelation. And then finally, um, step 11 also talks about patriarchal blessings. And I say finally, but there are many other ways to receive revelation, such as reading the words of um, modern day prophets and things like that, which step 11 does talk about. But patriarchal blessings are an amazing way of receiving personal revelation that is specific to your life. And I love my patriarchal blessing. And at least one of the reasons it alludes so much in there to, in my mind, pornography and the enticements that the Lord will, that, that Satan will send my way that the Lord can protect me from. And it, it spells out for me exactly what I need to do to avoid them. And I, I always read through that and just, am I doing these things? Am I going to my meetings? Am I praying with my family? Am I reading my scriptures? Am I attending the temple? Things like that. And that gives me extra power, I feel like, to resist the fiery darts of the adversary. And I know not everyone's patriarchal blessing has that, but if you open it up, you will find in there things like alluding or relating to your addiction or to what you're going through in life. And you can receive amazing revelation from that. Um, another way that I have found of applying step 11 in my life is by, there was a talk like forever ago that just was like the viralest talk ever. And it was uh, like ponder, ponderizing things. And I, um, I've always loved the concept of just having a scripture that we like meditate on. Um, but meditating throughout the day, like on what we study is, is a really powerful way of receiving revelation throughout the day and like not making your scripture study like the only time in your day when you receive revelation. And one way that I do that, that I found that's effective to me, is I replace my lock screen on my phone every week or so with a new scripture that speaks to me. And I don't have like any specific one week, two week, three weeks. It's just like when I read a scripture that like hits me hard, I just put on my lock screen. And I, I usually like color it out so the only only that like scripture is showing that I put like the bottom of my screen so like all of my notifications don't block it out. But the scripture that I changed to on Monday morning this week is in Mosiah 29 verse 20. And a senior missionary actually shared this with us this week. And I was like, wow, that's such a powerful scripture. I like even heard like a chiasmus in it. And I was like, wow, that's like so cool. And I, I love like stuff like that. And I opened it and 
I had like marked it up so many times and just written to myself so many notes about it. I was like, okay, like this isn't like a foreign scripture to me. I've like heard it before, but it's um, Mosiah 29, 20. And it says, but behold, he did deliver them because they did humble themselves before him. And because they cried mightily unto him, he did deliver them out of bondage. And that was a chiasmus right there, like a mini one. And it says like, he did deliver them because they did humble themselves. And then it says, they cried mightily and he did deliver them. And so from that, I take that like the Lord delivers us if we cry mightily unto him. And if we humble ourselves, but humbling ourselves and crying mightily, those are in like kind of opposite um, the mirror sides of the chiasmus. And it tells me that like crying mightily unto the Lord is how we humble ourselves before him. And I don't know if you follow that or if my brain is just like off on like some other planet, but it's so amazing that crying mightily unto the Lord is, is the way that we show our humility or at least a way that we do that. And it goes on to say, and thus doth the Lord work with his power in all cases among the children of men, extending his arm of mercy towards them that put their trust in him. That's Mosiah 29, 20. So powerful. I love just that concept of crying mightily to humble ourselves before the Lord. And I have had great need recently to cry mightily unto God, both in humility for the wonderful blessings that I received, the safety of my my kids and myself in that car accident, um, and the other like wonderful blessings that we have, but also in humility requesting that he deliver me, that he deliver my wife, my kids from bondage of all kinds, from trials, from um, temptations, from hard times, from illness. And I know the Lord will deliver us in his way because it says here in the scriptures in the Book of Mormon that the Lord will deliver us in all cases. It doesn't say like sometimes or occasionally, but it says in all cases if we do that and we humble ourselves before him, we cry mightily unto him. And I have a firm testimony of the Book of Mormon, of its truthfulness, of its power, of the principles that it teaches. And I know and I trust that if I cry mightily unto the Lord, he will deliver me. And that's so powerful. And I share that with you just to show you um, power that can come from applying this step, step 11 in our lives of receiving daily personal revelation and meditating on that and, and pondering that throughout the day and applying that in our lives. And I, like I said, I, that is my lock screen currently on my phone right now. If you like open my phone, it has that scripture right there. It's a great way to remind myself and to uh, feel the Lord's power throughout my day. And like I said, step 11 is a maintenance step. That means that it's a step that isn't meant to be done once. It's a step that's meant to be applied continually throughout our lives in order to maintain the recovery that we find by applying the other steps. And it's an amazing way of maintaining what you find in the steps. God will direct you if you listen. I have a testimony of that because he directs me in my life. Scriptures, prayer, meditation, patriarchal blessings, those are the keys. Those are keys to revelation and they're ways that we can receive revelation. And that revelation is what makes up the 12-step manual that will be our lives. So if we can receive revelation and follow it, we don't need a 12-step manual to tell us everything that we need to do in our lives because we will receive that revelation day by day. And that's an amazing blessing. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode about step 11. I hope that your brain didn't turn off when you heard step 11. Oh, I've heard it all before. Um, Because I know that we study this frequently, but there is power, I believe, in these maintenance steps. 
even for someone not going through the program. So I hope that you enjoyed this. I look forward to hearing any feedback that you have um, about our show, any thoughts. We appreciate you all for listening and supporting our show. Thanks so much.